Greetings, programs and users. It is time once again for another episode of Old Nerds Drinking. I am John Patrick, the Master Control Program. And here with me today, we have a star-studded, or all-hands-on-deck uh, episode. Uh, with me is Rojan. Yo! And also also joining us is Jake. Hey! I'm back! He's back, folks. It's been a while since... Uh, it has been. I was thinking earlier, like, when was the last time we recorded all together? And I think it was Mandalorian Season 2 finale? Got no room to talk. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to fire my stuff back up, but you guys have been gone longer than I have. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much... Uh, Oh, yeah, at least a year. I think at least a year that that uh, Tom and I have been wrapping things up. Yeah, <clears throat> and, and, you know, we had a stretch there where we were getting episodes out on time, and then Thanksgiving happened. And so uh, we're after a quick holiday eh, sabbatical, we're uh, going to get back on the horse. And, boy, have we got a lot of nerdy shit to talk about today. A whole lot of horse to get on. So much nerd shit. Uh, but as is tradition, because um, you know we do this almost every every time we have an episode. Here's the uh, people we're pouring one out for today. Um, we missed it; it was a couple of weeks ago it happened. But we are pouring one out for the Batman himself, Kevin Conroy. Um, I have I have been reading uh, comic books pretty much for most of my life. I think I've been reading roughly thirty years. And ever since that show first aired, that is my voice. Like when I'm reading a Batman comic book, I'm the only voice I hear in my head is Kevin Conroy's. I tend to agree. And then when you watch the other Batman cartoons that don't have Kevin Conroy's voice, you're kind of like, I don't know if I can watch this. You know, uh, I, I've, I've had some where I thought were really good. Um, gosh, what is his name? He, uh. He was an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He did some Star Wars stuff. He's a voice actor who's done a lot of Batman, actually. Um, kind of, I think he's probably going to be the guy who is going to be the Batman voice now that Kevin Conroy has passed. But he, he does a pretty good job, and I feel like a fool for not thinking of his name <laughs> as I'm talking. I feel, like I'm, I feel like I'm just trying to keep talking because maybe if I keep talking, the name will come to me. Are you well, drinking anything right now? See, see. I am. <laughs> yeah, because we didn't discuss what we were drinking before we jumped into this, but go uh, ahead. Okay, yeah, Jake, t- tell us what you're drinking. Uh, I am actually, uh, because it is Christmas time, and I don't know if I'm going to record again before Christmas, uh, I'm having some eggnog. Eggnog with a little extra rum. Rogan, People what? actually drink eggnog? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it is a thing. My family is huge eggnog fans. If my... if. If my kids could, they'd have they'd have eggnog in the fridge year round. I am because also uh, getting ready for Christmas. I busted out my traditional Michigan uh, Christmas time cocktail, the Naughty Gnome. What is the Naughty Gnome? Oh, you don't remember that? Uh, that was I, I don't. Okay, so I found this in a um, to start the story. Uh, every time I go to the Henry Ford Museum or Greenville Village. I will stop in the your gift shop and usually drop like a hundred dollars on all their like local history books and stuff like that. So I found a book on the history of Verners. Oh and, yeah, now I remember. Yeah, and one of the things that can was contained in it was a section of Verners cocktails, and this was listed as a festive holiday uh, holiday cocktail. So it is an ounce and a half of rum. Uh, for this particular one, I'm using New Holland Distillery's Freshwater uh, Rum. 
two dashes of uh, Angostura bitters. You fill the rest of the cup with Verner's, and you have a delightful, just kind of pleasant cocktail. I don't know why I associate Verner's with Christmas, but I do. Oh, because everybody bakes hams in it. That's what you do up in Michigan. You, you ever had a, a Verner's honey baked ham? I've never had that. I don't. In oh. fact, I, being from Michigan, I only associate Verner's with being sick. That too. It is the official cure-all for anything that ails you. Um, Got us through COVID. Yep. Um, I don't do Verner's with my ham. I do root beer with my ham. And then like a That sh- sounds good. Yeah. Uh, so I will do root beer, a shot of bourbon, and then like brown sugar. And then you you kind of coat the ham in that syrup and then throw it in the oven on like broil. And what happens is all the sugar in the root beer and the brown sugar caramelizes. And then you get that kind of like super sweet honey glaze or honey baked uh, glaze. Um, only other thing I've ever used Verner's for is a buddy of mine turned me on to a recipe for Sloppy Joe's, where it's actually you, you, you brown your you brown your ground beef, you pour in a two, like a twenty ounces of, of Verner's, and then like sweet chili sauce, and, it, and the Verner's kind of cooks down. It becomes a nice thick, pasty, uh, delicious Sloppy Joe mix. There is something I never in a million years would have thought of. It surprised me too. I remember I was with him when, he was, when he was, we were cooking it. And I'm like, really? Is this going to turn out right? And it, and it did. It just magically did. <laughs> All right, Rojan, what are you drinking? I am drinking the Rochester Mills because it is the season, the Rochester Mills Oatmeal Raisin Milkshake Stout. Um, this is left over from last year, rated from your basement because I drank all of mine last year and I was down there. And I went, wow, you still have some of this left. This is coming with me. I just and, saw somebody on Facebook post a picture of this year's. And uh, it looks phenomenal. It does. So next week, my mission is I'm going to hit all my local haunts and see if I can find it. So the next time we record, we'll have them. The 12 beers of Christmas God, this that's year. making me thirsty. Oh, the Rochester no ones. Very rarely do I have a bad Rochester Mills stout, uh, that, like uh, um, one of their milkshake stouts or whatever that so I just don't like. There's one dud in every one. Every year, there's always one that you look at it and you go, oh, yeah, you. Not you. this year, though. See, I don't know, because um, I didn't get I don't recall all of them, but I know not last year, the year before, it was the king cake one. and the, I didn't drink it. I made you drink it, and it was awful. I think I liked it, though, didn't I? I don't remember now. No, you said it was vile. Hmm. You know, I don't remember. I, I want to say you're right, but I can't, I just can't tell anymore. To be honest with you, I can't remember. Because I don't drink many stouts anymore. I don't. I don't really don't even drink much beer anymore. I mean, full disclosure, once I switched over to using marijuana edibles, I was like, why am I drinking? So the only time I really drink is when I'm with you guys <clears throat> or here and there socially in one way or another. So... Because I'm the only an thing enabler. That I will drink is the you know the Rochester Mill Stouts because they're almost always good. Mm. I wonder if I get them up here. I don't think I've ever looked for them. So. Um, I don't. I they. I don't. You know. I don't. We don't. They might. They might because your where you live is a beer is a big beer mecca for. Oh yeah. Um, you know, home not home brew but locally made brews and things like that are artisanal brews. Uh, pretty much from Traverse City, Michigan, all the way up to you. That whole stretch through there is just full of really neat, you know, beer discoveries and things like that. So I can't, being that they're a Michigan company, I can't see why they wouldn't ship across the state, you know. 
This is you said Rochester. Yeah, Rochester Mills. Rochester I, Mills Beer Company. I'm writing that down right now. I'm gonna look for that shit. Yeah, I, I was actually gonna say, um, I there's a YouTuber I follow, and that who I I would actually love to get on the podcast, and I might try reaching out to him. Uh, but Greg from Home, he's a guy who does like really like amazing cocktails, and he's also a, a gamer. So he live streams video games on Twitch. He did a uh, a tabletop RPG uh, stream of Cyberpunk 2077. Um, but he did, he was doing a cocktail thing and it was like historic cocktails and it required a stout. So he was like, I'm going to use my favorite stouts, which come from Founders Brewery in Michigan. And I was like, hey, I know those guys. Founders does also make a good stout. Yeah. Um, but anyways, going back to, uh, to Kevin Conroy, um, yes, Kevin Conroy. I have to say that that, that was a long loop around. I it guess. was, it was <laughs> a very long loop around. Um, I, Batman, the animated series came out, I think right when I was like 14. So like perfect impressionable age for that show. And I had always kind of liked Batman, but that show became my favorite like my favorite versions of everything batman uh the batman the animated series batman is by far my favorite batman um all the villains are my favorite versions of the bat of the batman villains they got everything so right um they were able to make the villains menacing without making them too like just uh, like caricature of themselves um so like you look at the the portrayal of the joker in batman the animated series versus the portrayal of the joker in uh the dark knight return or the dark knight um heath ledger's joker is basically a psychopath like there there's no like the humor isn't even there really like there's no clown prince of crime it's just he's a so he's a psychopath wearing face makeup um but the the joker that's portrayed in batman the animated series is <clears throat> you still get that he's insane but there's a method to the insanity um thank you mark hamill yeah thank you mark hamill um the riddler i think the Riddler in Batman the Animated Series is absolutely perfect because he's a villain just because he wants to prove that he's smarter than everybody else. Uh, yeah, that's not my favorite version. Yeah, the Riddler in the Batman with uh, uh, Twilight guy. Like, no, the, the Riddler is not the freaking Zodiac killer. He's not a guy who's leaving body bags behind him. He is literally there just to prove he is the smartest guy in the room. Um, so, and just Kevin Conroy made all that. And there's so many memorable episodes of the Bat Batman, the animated series that uh, I just, I don't know if I can like Batman as much knowing that Kevin Conroy isn't a part of it. Well, oh, uh, a quick call back, by the way, the name of the guy who I was thinking of was Jason O'Mara. Okay. 
Yeah, but that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> just, just had to call back. I did look up the name. No, see, here's well, I was gonna say. Here's the thing: is like you were talking about. I'm just gonna keep talking until I remember it. That's not the way it works. You stop talking, you let somebody else talk, and then it's gonna hit you like a brick falling from a third story window. Yeah, I wanted. I kept like, I want to cut in and say I finally figured out his name. <laughs> Trying to wait for that right opening. Um, and then we're going to pour one more drink out. Uh, for just today, uh, the internet and TikTok specifically lost one of its first true celebrities. Um, we are saying goodbye to Noodle the Pug. As of today, he was carried across the Rainbow Bridge to Valhalla, where he will join er, uh, join the Einherr Jar in the Mead, ha- Mead Halls of Odin. Every day for him is now a Bones Day. And for... My co-host here, who had no idea who the hell Noodle the Pug was. Um, <laughs> no idea. It was something that came, I found during COVID lockdown. Uh, it's this guy. I don't he, I don't know where he's from, but he had a 13-year-old pug named Noodles. And every morning, he would get a video on TikTok, and he would take his dog out of his bed and try and stand him up into a sitting position and we would find out if that day Noodle had bones. If he didn't have bones, he would just fall over, and it was a no-bones day. And that meant everybody had to, the right to just stay in bed and take care of themselves and do self-care things. But if Noodle stood up, that meant it was a bones day. And, you know, you had the courage to go out and do things and accomplish something because, you know, the, you had the bones to do it. And as weird as that was, that was just one of those things that during COVID lockdown, I was like, okay, I got to find out if it's bone today before I get out of bed. It was like, that was just part of my routine. And it came into the lexicon to where, like, my kids would check every morning with their teachers to see if it was a bones day or their teachers would have it written on a board in the background of their Zoom calls. Um, And, you know, all the hip kids knew it. But, you know... As sad as it is, he was how a. Four- I didn't know about it. Yeah, I didn't know anything about. It. Well, then again, I came to TikTok late, so same. I, I only the only knowledge of TikTok I have is when John over aggressively shares TikTok videos to the group chat. <laughs> my, That's probably my only connection. And uh, my yeah, language I, of friendship is leaving memes and TikTok videos in your DMs like a cat leaving a dead mouse on your uh, on your pillow. Oh, John loves me. He left me a TikTok. Yep, that's it. So, Kevin Conroy and Noodles, this one's for you. Ah, that is a mighty fine beverage. That is a good beer. Ah, you really snap, Chug Eggnog. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have the eggnog milk mustache now? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, it's okay. everywhere. You're you get... dying, aren't you? You are actively dying right now. <laughs> Please tell me that if you have eggnog, you are at least drinking it out of the moose the moose head eggnog glasses from uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh, God. I, I've seen that movie more times than I can count. And every time I'm always hung up, that scene is like... I want those. I really got to have those. Oh, you can get them. They make them. them. Yeah, they're not. And they're not even too expensive. I think you can get like a whole set of them for 
under 40 bucks. Oh, I know what I'm buying after they were done instead of a Christmas present for my kids. Oh, no. Somebody sent me something. Um, I don't know if we talked about it yet, but somebody on Etsy makes a laser cut advent calendar that is the silhouette of Nakatomi uh, Tower. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And every day Hans Gruber falls one level closer to the ground. So uh, that that's definitely going to be on my TikTok or er, uh, my internet purchases very soon because it just isn't Christmas until I see Hans Gruber fall off the Nakatomi Plaza. What was there? There's a new thing going around on social media where take a take a movie that isn't a Christmas movie and make it a Christmas movie and prove why it's a Christmas movie. So somebody took the one with the movie Seven and said Seven is a Christmas movie. Yeah, because I saw that. At the um, at the end of it, he gets a, a present, and what was the other part of it? He was anxious or surprised or something like that. Uh, the, so no, it's because it's uh, got an overly uh, an overly religious message. Um, a one of the characters gets a gift, and everybody is anxious to find out what's inside. Yes, that's it. And then there was somebody that would uh, call it Trax. the human the human centipede. Was another one. Oh no. <laughs> Um, I just got the notification from my kid's school on Friday that uh, they have Holiday Spirit Week, and one of them is dress up as your favorite character from your cri- favorite Christmas movie, and I'm like, dear God, somebody, somebody's dressing up as John McClane. Please tell me somebody's dressing up as John McClane. I've seen I've seen that meme floating around where there's a little kid dressed as, dressed as John McClane. I'm like, ah, I can't talk. For uh, Halloween, though, he's got this. It's just basically his kid looks like he's all beat up and he's got like a um, a tank top on or something like that. That reminds me of those guys that dress up like Bruce Wayne's parents. Every time they see a Batman, they lay down on the ground and act like they're they were shot. Mm-hmm. That is one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen. At a I've, al- I've also seen people do Uncle Ben for Spider-Man. Yep. I was I was yeah. going to say, sometimes see, you'll see them and you'll see occasionally an Uncle Ben. And I'm just about to the right age where I can pull that off to make a great, like, low-effort cosplay. You should be able to, yeah, you should do that. You really, well, you'd have to shave your hair off, wouldn't you? No, not really. You, no, I got I that, know. I got that nice peppery gray going on. You should do it. I'm Frequent thinking. listeners to uh, the former Jake and Tom Conquer the World podcast will probably remember this story because I've told it several times. But Tom and I went to uh, a convention about four or five years ago, and uh, we, we'd see a cosplayer, and one of us would go up and take a picture. The other person would go up with them, whatever. And I don't know how it happened, but sometime around Friday afternoon, I started asking, you know, Tom would go up to a cosplayer like a Galactus or whatever. And I would say, hey, Galactus, can I get a picture of you kicking my friend in the nuts? <laughs> and 100% out of every single one that weekend, sure. And then they'd... Do a, you know, like swing their foot up and Tom will make that like, ooh, like grunting face as he's getting kicked to the nuts. And oh my God, that became the thing throughout the weekend. For by the, by the time Sunday rolled around, we walked up to like a random Deadpool and like, hey, are you the nuts guys? <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Your reputation yeah, precedes you. Because all the cosplayers hang out with each other. They're, they're, they tend to be a pretty tight, a lot of them are a tight knit group. And so, yeah, we made quite the impression that day. Very Outstanding. Nice. All right. Well, we're at a half an hour record time, so let's say we actually talk <laughs> about Star Wars. Okay. 
I, I will put up forth that I, up front that I will be on my absolute best behavior. So, no, no, we want you give in to the hate, give in to the no. dark side. Nah, nah, not the, really. I could, I, I don't know. I've, I've you, I just this, pay real close attention to what's going on behind the scenes. So, this is it. I give you permission to take the leash off. And well, there's not. Now. I mean, where do you want me to start? You want me to talk about my trip to Star Wars World down at Disneyland? Disney you know World. Let's talk. With, let's start with Andor because that is okay. by far the the big centerpiece of the Star Wars universe right now. Um, all right, who wants to start? Um, I'll jump in first. Yeah, you go. Right. Go ahead. So um, we just were talking about the our feelings of the show in general. Yep. So I don't. I don't want to go too long on this one, but. So Rogue One comes out. We all we all saw it. Um, I don't know how everyone else felt about it. I, I liked it. Liked it. Um, um, didn't love it. It wasn't my favorite. It's a favorite for a lot of people. Um, but it's it up was, there, but it is not my favorite. But it's up there. And in, in, in it had a really good ending. I love that the most. Uh, that Vader scene is still probably one of my favorite oh. Star Wars scenes in general. Uh, Hallway monitor of the year. Oh, yeah. But ultimately... The thing about that movie, when I, especially my feelings about it and when this show was announced, was, wow, they made this really neat story about all these fascinating characters, and they're making a spinoff on the most boring member of the entire cast. I had 100% very, agree. very low expectations going into this show, and... I'm happy to say that they well exceeded them. It was, I really enjoyed this show, uh, but still the most boring character in the entire show is the name of the show with Andor. That's my, that's my first thoughts on it. Agreed. Well, and it's, you look at it, he had almost the smallest part in the show. Like to the point where, there are secondary actors that I believe had more screen time than he did. Um, he was very much, that. it was very much that while his name was on the show, this wasn't his, this wasn't his story. This is the story of the rebellion and like the very early stages of it. Um, which full disclosure, this is the star Wars show I have been waiting for since high school. Since when since I first discovered the expanded universe books, and first found out that like hey Star Wars stuff happened after the original trilogy, and then finding this super rich world, um, and that was right about the time I found the Star Wars role playing game, which went further to just fleshing out all the amazing things of Star Wars. Um, but this is always a period that I wanted to know more about, but during the George Lucas eras was expressly forbidden from anyone writing about. Um, from the, the Star Wars role-playing game, from the expanded universe, there, were, there was a list you were given of things you were not allowed to write about. Um, you were not allowed to write about how the Force works. You were not allowed to write about anything with the Clone Wars. Like, you could mention it, but you could not create a canon for the Clone Wars because George Lucas knew he wanted to do something with it. You were not allowed to write about anything about the Rebellion before A New Hope. Uh, because, again, that was an era, era of time George Lucas wanted, he wanted specifically to have 
the last say on. Everything else was fair game. And to to the credit of a lot of writers, uh, they fill the reason we know what an Ithorian is is because the Star Wars role-playing game gave that a name or gave that a backstory. The reason we know Biba Fortuna is a Twi'lek is because the Star Wars role-playing game gave his race a name and gave his race a backstory. All these super huge things of Star Wars lore that we just take for granted now didn't exist until uh, like the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and I love this part of the Star Wars timeline. I love the early Rebellion era. I love the... Just... Rogue One was possibly my favorite Star Wars movie outside of A New Hope. Because it just got that aesthetic of, like, the lived-in universe and this military uprising on the fringes of the galaxy trying to fight the evil empire and that's the stories i got into when i got into star wars um i really could care less about the jedi i really could care less about um the luke skywalker family like i want to know about the normal people who live in the star wars universe and have to and have to live in the star wars universe so seeing that seeing the planet ferrix a planet where it's like yeah they're this is a place where they just break down starships because, you know, there was a giant war and tons of starships. Um, this is a world where normal people live, where it isn't just the it isn't just the the desert people of Tatooine. It isn't the like super fancy, shiny Naboo. These are working class people who get up every day to a sh to an anvil announcing the changes of the shifts. Um. So that I, I'm very very happy with this show, um, and that was me going on for like ten minutes. But does anybody else have anything to say? I guess it's my turn, <laughs> <laughs> which makes it easier because much like exactly like Jake, when they announced Andor, I'm like, why? Why? I'm like, this is Disney giving us something that we don't want or don't care about again, whatever. But as I have said many times on this show. We are Star Wars whores, and we'll watch anything Star Wars, though I still just don't really care about the Bad Batch. Whatever. I'm, I'm weird. I know. I get it. Mm -hmm. But, so, I'm, I'm still like, okay, when it comes up. I was going to say, I'm, I'm still boycotting Tales of the Jedi, because when I heard Tales of the Jedi, oh, I won't. so I, good. But there is already a thing in the Star Wars universe with the name Tales of the Jedi, and it's a... Yeah, but was that pre-Disney? Yeah, that was pre-Disney. It, it, it didn't was, happen. <laughs> It was the Dark Horse comic series from like 10,000 years before A New Hope and told like the very earliest stories of the Jedi and the Sith. And it was so good. So when I heard Tales of the Jedi, I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to get into Tales of the Jedi. Oh, it's just an anthology series about Ahsoka Tana and Yoda and all them. Fuck. Sorry, that was me interrupting. <laughs> I don't even remember where I was. Um, anyways, yeah, so I was like, this isn't really a movie or a show that I really care about or I could give a shit about, but all right, whatever. And then I saw some scenes from it and stuff, and I'm like, okay, this maybe they, you know, I'm interested. So finally I watched it, and um, like everybody else, I was like, my God, I'm, this show is just taking forever. And then 
I realized, and or I read, I should say that that the epi- the show works in three episode clusters. I think there was only one episode that didn't fit into a cluster, and every every the show ramps from beginning all the way up through episode three. You know, blah blah. Then the next cycle in the series starts, but. This, uh, like you said, John, is the show that I've been waiting for my whole life. This is the first real mature, in my opinion, iteration of a Star Wars story there is yet. And a lot of people didn't like it. It, it, it took it took me a little bit to realize what was going on. We have been fed like like the Boba Fett show. Uh, you know, it was it is what it was. But we. All of the Star Wars stuff we've seen thus far is very uh, popcorny, you know, gun, you know, gunfights, uh, lightsaber battles, whatever you want to call it. This is what it, this is what that that we've been given. So when a show comes along that doesn't deal with just the Jedi, and you're not seeing stormtroopers in every episode, and the Empire that's in the show has a very different presence and is being portrayed in a very different way, there were all of these different things that were different than Star Wars we've been given thus far. So when we got it, it took me a little bit to kind of switch gears. And then I realized for myself, at least I'm like, this is the kind of Star Wars show that I've always wanted or a movie that I've always wanted. Because as we grew up and I'm older than you guys, um, I remember seeing the first episode one at, at Fairlane Mall, which nobody knows of that is that listens it far away. But anyways, um, so I for a while, all I had were the books that are now Star Wars Legends they are no longer canon. I had all that stuff. So. When the Star Wars came along, like even with the prequels, Star Wars didn't mature with us. They still kept it at that lower level for younger people or what have you. And I'm like, well, it's Star Wars, so it is what it is. Andor comes along, and this is a very maturely written show from the cinematography, the story, um, the way that the story is told with the episode arcs the way that they are, the ground level oppression that you get. Like this really fleshes out that the Empire – aren't just cannon fodder to be mowed down stormtroopers. You know, there's, there, there's actually like an, an SS secret police kind of thing here with operatives and information gathering and all this stuff. And then you see the oppression on the planets and stuff like that. This is, this is a very different star Wars story that I very much enjoyed. Now as to what you were talking about, how Andor really is like the most um, non-important character in the show. I think that was done on purpose because We've all like the, with the prequels, it's like, well, we all know what's going to happen. We all know where they're going. Like, you know, you, like there no time during the prequels were you ever worried that Anakin or Obi-Wan Kenobi were going to die because you knew it was coming, you know, I, whereas I, with this show, go ahead. I was going to say, um, going back to Rogue One, like one of my favorite things from Rogue One was all the memes that would come out that like leaked images from the Rogue One sequel. And it's just a new hope. Yeah. Like like that joke. We knew going into it what happens next. So Did anybody show, when they finished up watching Rogue One immediately watch A New Hope? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I did that, and it really did enhance the experience. Yeah. So with this show, what they've done a really good job is if they made the, the character – the show wrote it's around rotating around Andor's life and the things that he's involved with, the things that are happening. But – it does a really good job of making you not care so much about Andor himself, but it takes, it takes all of these outside supporting characters and it really builds on them. So 
you know that Andor is going to live. So they don't really put him in a lot of situations where his life is in danger for the most part, I've noticed. But the other characters, you're like, well, is this person going to die? This person's probably going to die. Like this whole thing with um, Lothan uh, being, Luthen. you know, a Jedi. Luthan. I'm sorry, Luthan. Luthan. I, I have popcorn in my mouth, so it's it's my tongue's all swollen from the salt. But anyways, <laughs> with Luthan being a Jedi, there's this big thing going on there. Is if he is a Jedi, was he a Jedi? Is he Sith? Um, what's going on? Because for a while, like you saw this stuff in the background, little little hints here and there, and then they start. They just keep on going, and like they're doing a really good job of story writing of keeping everybody guessing and stuff. And then the other characters that are around it, they've made them more important in the show than Andor himself is. And I don't mind. I don't care. You know, and even even if he is a Jedi or a Sith or whatever, I don't mind it because I, like, I, like we said, we don't need to have Jedi in every movie or every show and stuff like that. But this is a different if he is, this is a different interpretation well, of it. This, and what I like this is where the debate starts. <laughs> I was going to say. What I like is it's showing that this is not the Jedi. Like, this is not, oh, okay, well, it's the constant battle between the Empire and the Jedi, or the Emperor and the Jedi, the Sith and the Jedi. Like, no, we are finally just seeing normal people who have, who have reached their limit, who have been oppressed to the point where rebellion is their only option. And that... Mm -hmm. It's a more relatable character. It's these are not people with superpowers. These are not people with with magic laser swords. These are just people fighting back with, you know, the bricked remains of a beloved uh, uh, member of the city council. Yeah, you got really to be involved in that final fight. <laughs> she died doing what she loved, beating him, beating fascists in the face. So we got to wait two more years before we get episodes again. Um, and um, yeah, I, I guess they're filming right now, though. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, who knows? So well, one I, I, I got to agree with both of you. Like, I did not have high expectations going into this. I, I am not or I was going to say I am the dissenting opinion that I actually liked uh, Andor as a character. Um, but my only expectation going into the show was. I desperately wanted to find out how he got K2SO because, you know, anything to keep Alan Turdick keep, uh, still working. Um, that, so I, I kept really expecting that was going to be like the last thing that happens in the show. Right. And then, and, uh, but it didn't. Season two. I'm, it didn't. And I'm still not disappointed. Um, no, because you know what's going to happen. You know that the little mop bucket cute droid is going to be uploaded into K because B2SO, K2SO. Oh, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to like the like the mature themes of this show. Um, very Like from the very beginning in one of the first episodes, we get the absolute first showing of underwear in the Star Wars universe, uh, which is a big deal because George Lucas was firm that underwear didn't exist in the star Wars universe. And that was why Carrie Fisher wasn't allowed to wear a bra in a new hope. Yep. Um, so we got that. Um, so not a hard rule, just a dirty old man, just a dirty old man. 
Well, there was a topless Twi'lek and Jabba's palace in Return of the Jedi. And she wasn't topless. For a second. I was going to say, she was not topless. She had she had a like bikini top on, but we're digressing. Mm, um, we'll save that argument for another time, but go ahead. Because <laughs> um, I will come with visual proof. Like, we got to see... Poor choice of words. <laughs> um, but, like, we got to see the the methods, like, how far the Empire was willing to go. Like, of not just that implied torture, but we actually got to see torture happening. Um, we got to see uh, that scene where the one worker has the stroke. And it's like, yeah, there's nothing we can do. We're just going to put him down. Like, the idea of euthanasia in Star Wars was something we've never seen before. So there is a lot of high-concept, mature yeah. themes going on in this. And it's... it's I love it. Like, sure, make Star Wars media for the kids. Because um, I'm going to be real honest, I like most of that stuff, too. But this, like, give me adult themed star wars that so, is high concept and i'm gonna love that too so this is where i i worry a little bit uh so the show's doing well people are talking about it it's got a really lot, lot of positive buzz a lot of people squaring up and down it's the best thing since the original trilogy which is great i worry that disney will learn the wrong lesson in this mm-hmm. you know i'm afraid that <laughs> i agree with you <laughs> i'm worried that they're gonna be like okay cool now everything is gonna be dark and gritty i was gonna say movie. and now we get star wars directed by quentin tarantino yeah because he want he wanted to do a star wars movie for well, he was pushing star trek for a while yeah, he's oh is it star trek, okay star, star trek, trek yeah yeah i knew it was he wanted to do something sci-fi i thought it was star wars but yeah no, it was track it was track but um, I don't mind if they do that, though. I don't you know, I, it's not even it's the writing like Boba Fett was horrible writing. Boba Fett was nothing but me- member berries. Remember member berries from South Park? Oh, yeah. I, rem- I remember. Yeah, that's yeah. Remember Star Wars? But that's all Boba Fett really was. It was just lots of stout shout outs. The story was kind of crappy. You know, it was just not written very well at all. And, you know. Like the best episodes of it were the one that with a Mandalorian was in the episode. <laughs> so, right. So at this point, like we're like, people are like, all right, you know, what, what now, what are you going to do? You know, whatever. It's kind of one of those situations, but Andor also did catch a lot of hate. A lot of people didn't like it. And I was, I was one of the initial haters because I'm like, man, this is just taking forever. And I'm glad I waited it out. But... I, was, I was the same way until the third episode. And then yeah, I, it's, I after, after the third episode, I'm like, all right, I think this is cool. You know, then the train heist one or the spaceship heist. I'm like, all right, where's this one going? But again, you didn't care so much about Andor in the show. You you care about the characters that he runs into and he interacts with and, and the world that's going on around him. More, He's just a passenger like us on this voyage. You know, all he wants to do is survive and get by or whatever up until at the very end of this last episode where he kind of threw the gun down and said either kill me or take me in. You know, that was the first time he really like said, OK, I, I want to be a part of this. But again, we didn't really care a whole lot about Andor very much. You know, it was kind of like, well, what's what's going to happen next with this person or with that person, you know? And as long as Star Wars or Disney, I should say, starts doing better writing on things. But the problem is, is uh, I don't know if I want to go into this. They, they released um, a statement a little while ago saying, hey, we messed up on the last three movies. We rushed them far too fast. 
they thought that um, rather the part of the problem was it that people didn't like deep fake characters or actors playing other characters. And I didn't mind Han Solo. And, and as me and John were talking about before, the guy who played Lando Calrissian was awesome. We all want him to have a show. Oh yeah, Donald, That's Donald Glover. He can he can do all the Lando. Yeah. And that's been rumored for a while, but unfortunately, Kathleen Kennedy, which I, I don't mean to, like, call her out by name, but she has this really bad habit of announcing shit, get everyone excited about a thing, and then not give us that thing. Something happens. I think I think they just they, – they come up with an idea. They go, all right, Kathleen, go out and run with it. And then it gets everyone hyped up, and then they just – then they sit down and go, okay, now how are we going to do this? Oh, that isn't going to work. I, my eye is visibly twitching because I'm still fucking pissed off about them shelving Rogue One or Rogue Squadron. Yeah. Oh, Rogue Squadron. Well, they, they, that's where I was going with this. Disney panicked. They, they rushed, the, they rushed the, the last three movies because they wanted to get their shareholders and pe- when they, people that bought in, they wanted to get them a uh, return on their investments. So they went for the fast cash route or whatever, and now it's bitten them in the ass. Well, and, um, and and this is a good segue into Star Wars Land. <laughs> well, no, this is a good segue into uh, oh the Bob Iger thing. Uh, very quickly, them shit canning the previous CEO and Bob Iger being brought back. Um, and specifically, what I don't even remember who the the previous CEO was. Um, related to Disney Same Plus, what's, what's that? Uh, Chapek, Bob Chapek. Bob Chapek. Yep. Um, Bob yep. Chapek was. Say it. Yeah, Bob Chapek. He was the guy behind, or like he was the big push behind Disney Plus, and he sold it to the shareholders that you know after a year or two we're just going to be rolling in the money from it, and while they got the views, streaming will never be the revenue. St- the revenue generator that movies are like, it's just never going to happen. You're never going to have a streaming service that will put up numbers like an Avengers movie, making a billion dollars at the box office. And that's why Disney over at the Marvel corner has the right idea with their TV stuff is whether you love or or hate the movies are coming out. They're working in tandem with them really good. Exactly. They're making these, they're making these shows to get you to introduce a new character so then you get excited for seeing the next movie involved that has that character in it. It's a really they've really somehow managed to get this great cohesive well, that, thing that, working that I wish Star Wars, who is again, same fucking parent company, mm-hmm. uh they can't figure it out to copy themselves. So Yeah, they're the D, they're doing a DC Warner Brothers thing right now, is what they're doing. Well. But like when Agents of Shield came out at first, it was originally intended to be like, yeah, that, hey, that this is a, a like weekly... The, that felt like the prototype to what we got now. Well, it was originally intended to be like, hey, this is basically just a monthly half or a weekly hour commercial to get you to go see the movies. Um, but then there was a big shakeup between the people running the television branch and the people running the movie branch, specifically Joss Whedon, uh physically distanced himself and when he was in charge of the uh basically the avengers and the avengers movies and all that he got pissed off at the show and said no like as far as we're concerned in the movies we're not acknowledging the show ever existed 
And after like basically that first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it became its own thing and no longer tied back to the Marvel Universe. Or if it tried to, it would be very vague. Yeah, very And a lot of people were like, well, then why am I going to bother watching this? Exactly. And that's what eventually killed it. Uh, Well, that and their attempt to do the Inhumans, but that's a whole nother story. Um, And that's... So that's what Marvel is kind of doing now, where the streaming shows are basically just a way to keep you hyped about the Marvel Universe between the releases of movies. Um, Now, Star Star Wars... Yeah, with Star Wars... movies yet. Yeah, it's... That's where I was going, is they panicked and pulled back. But I think... They're, they're trying to reevaluate everything that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And they're they're like, well, we can't we're not going to get another chance at this. Meanwhile, the shows on the streaming service, for the most part, they're they're not bad. Well, you know, I was I'm gonna enjoying say, even I, Boba Fett. I didn't like it, but hey, I watched it. I'm paying for it. So, I, hey, I, I had watch fun it. with it. So with, with the exception of Boba Fett, almost every like the, all the Star Wars media on Disney Plus has really been good uh, to yeah. the point where. It's the opposite of the Marvel. Like the Marvel, the the shows are keeping you interested for the movies. But I think with Star Wars, it's really become that the shows are the main attraction. And right. honestly, and they have half the budget that the movies do. Right. And honestly, the shows are a better way to tell a more compelling Star Wars story than a movie. Are are uh, either one of you guys wrestling fans? Ah, uh, yeah. no. Either. Not not important. Not a important right. question. So in wrestling, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll have like a WWE or back when it was WWF, they o- would own other smaller wrestling companies for them to kind of build up talent. And yeah. then when they would have someone who like the big show gets hurt or whatever, and he's coming back, but he's not quite ready to go on the main stage, he would go and kind of go do this, this little smaller minor leagues. Other sports do this too, I guess. But that's, to me, the way that they should treat the TV stuff or the streaming stuff. Mm -hmm. They should use that as a test audience. Like, hey, let's do, you know, a two-hour special with uh, this random Star Wars character. But, hey, everyone loved it. Now let's do a movie based on it. Well, here's the thing. I don't think Star Wars. Okay. One of us has got to choose to go. Go. (laughs) Um, I think Star Wars... You don't even have to lend itself... I, I don't think it works as well character-driven like the Marvel movies do. I think Star Wars works better for a story. Like, decide a story you want to tell, and then pick the media that's best to tell the story. Well, yeah, but you also yeah. got to consider the people that are running the streaming side of Disney as opposed to the people that are running the movie side of Disney. Like, the guys that are running the streaming side of Disney are genuine Star Wars fans. Yeah, I mean, how one of them was groomed by George Lucas. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that you is know. a major difference between the two mediums. Yeah. It, it's, they, yeah. It's the people who work on the TV shows or the streaming shows, it's like they have passion, passion for it. Yeah. It's something yeah. that they feel very strongly like, about where a lot of times movie directors like, yeah, I think I've seen a couple of the movies. Well, you've got Ryan you know, Johnson like, who said, Hmm, you've got all this established plot. You've got these things. Fuck that shit! I'm going to do what I want to do because well, it's that, my movie. During the movies, none of the writer, none of the writers from the movies communicated with one another. Mm-hmm. It was they were there was no communication for the writers of any of the movies. And Abrams was like, "Here is a good outline and additional footage that I didn't use for the direction of the movies." So he was like, "That's it. My hands are washed. Hopefully, you know, we're putting intelligent people here to take care of it." 
And, you know, we all know what happened from there. But one of the things was, is that each movie was treated as its own entity with no real set direction. And the writers were just like, okay, well, let's, let's go this way. Let's go that way. Let's that's how we got space horses running on top of a Star Destroyer. All right, OND listeners, we're going to pause the conversation here and break this up into part one. We'll be back uh, in a week or two with part two so you can hear the rest of the discussion. Uh, Until then, this is John Patrick, the Master Control Program, saying... End of line. Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is! Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German? Forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now! So, what's the plan? Take off. Go to Mum's, kill Phil, sorry, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. Might as well write them off. Let's close up the bridge. Let's get out of here. Close it up, lights out. Where are you headed, cowboy? Nowhere special. Nowhere special. I always wanted to go there. We're going streaky! All right, move on. Nothing to see here. Please disperse. Nothing to see here. Please.